John chapter 15, verse 4. The Bible says, Remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This has been our series for the last three weeks. This is now week four of this. Week one, we started talking about soul care and watching your thoughts and how sheep are skittish and unless they're next to the shepherd, right? Um, week two, we started talking about prioritizing what's important. And we talked about meditation and meditating on the Word of God. Uh, last week, we talked about hitting the wall. And I can't tell you how many people have come up to me just in the last few days and said, Pastor, let me tell you about my wall experience. Why? Because we've all had them. We've all had moments when things were going great, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like, the, the doctor's report or the accident or someone just blew a fuse in my life and, uh, and like everything came grinding to a halt. And so last week we taught you how to get through the wall moments in our lives. Well, today I'm going a little bit different direction. I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. Now, this is a story that should sound familiar to you because we talked about this on week two. We were talking about King Solomon. And Solomon did not continue to prioritize what was important to him in the beginning of his reign. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, this was the guy who was like, Lord, you know, God said, what do you want? You just name it. Blank check. What do you want? And he was like, Lord, I just want to lead your people. Like, I just want you to show me how to lead your people. Like, what a great heart, right? But the Bible says his heart turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. And although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commandment. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude. In other words, what was your attitude? I'm going to do it anyway. I know what the word says, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know what you told me, God, but I'm going to do it anyway. Since this was your attitude and have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I command you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do, I will not do it during your lifetime. In other words, God is a God of generations. And because his father David had served him so well, he was going to honor David by allowing Solomon to kind of fulfill his reign. But then he basically said, it's going to happen when your son takes over. And so Solomon knew God enough to know that God stands by his word. And can you imagine spending the rest of your life knowing that you've set your own son up for failure? And so what happens is, he says, nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And then 1 Kings chapter 12, it all happened, just like the Lord said it would. Rehoboam, uh, his son, became king after Solomon died. An uprising occurred, and Rehoboam lost most of the kingdom to a man named Jeroboam, which was one of 
basically one of the guys that was on Solomon's team comes up. And there's a lot here that we could talk about today, but this is not the direction that I'm supposed to go. But if you look at 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25, then Jeroboam, so he's now become king. He's taken most of the kingdom with him, okay? He set it up. Uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, has one tribe of the original kingdom over here. Jeroboam has the rest of them over here. And the Bible says that Jeroboam thought to himself, which is where a lot of us get in trouble. Jeroboam, he's now king of part of the tribes, right? He's, he's got more of the people on his side than that are over there. Like there's this little divide in the nation of Israel, and Jeroboam's a king, and he thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert back to the house of David. And so you can imagine, he's sitting on his throne going, this is all right. Like, these guys are following me. And then he has this oh-no moment when he goes, oh, man. Like, they're all just going to go back home. They're all going to just go back and serve their God. I mean, the place that they worship is over there in Judah. And so he thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert back to the house of David. If these people go and to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me in return to King Rehoboam. In other words, he's like, I've got to figure this out. Because these guys like to worship God. And if they go back over there to worship God where the temple of the Lord is, they're going to remember, oh, yeah, it's so good over here. And then they're going to pledge their allegiance back to King Rehoboam and to their God. And I'm going to be in a world of hurt. They're going to, they're going to kill me. Right? Which is interesting because, listen, I'm, I'm all about America. I love America. 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 Through and through. Fourth of July, one of our favorite holidays. But if we're not careful, culture and leadership will try to sway you. And it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. It's the same thought line. If we let them do this, we will lose their allegiance. Moving right along. Verse 26, Jeroboam thought to himself, this kingdom, I don't want this to happen. Verse 28, after seeking advice, not from the Lord, from his, his, his posse, his cabinet, if you will. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, hey, 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 guys, it's, it's too much work. It is too much work for you to go up to Jerusalem. Never fear. Here are your gods. Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, they were like, listen, I know, I know you guys want to go over there and you want to worship the God who brought you out of Egypt. I get that. I respect that. But it's a long ways over there. And so what I've done is I've made, I've made a couple of idols here, a couple of golden calves, these are the ones that brought you out of Egypt, and this is what you're to worship now. You guys don't want to walk all the way over there. You guys don't want to do that, 
right? One golden calf, one he set up in Bethel, and the other in Dan. Uh, this thing, look at the word, this thing became a sin. And the people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and anointed priests, just like what was happening over in Jerusalem. Just like the temple of God. There was guys that they could come to and have conversations with and that would take their sacrifices. Like it looked the exact same, but it was not. Are you with me? They came to worship the one at Bethel and Dan and worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. I don't have time to get into that. He, in, he, insist, he instituted a festival on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the festival held in Judah. In other words, the same day, that everybody was supposed to go worship in the temple of the Lord, they were like, no, 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 no. Do it here. Just do it here, right? And offered sacrifices on those altars, the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. And at Bethel, he also installed priests in high places uh, that he had made. Do you think the Lord was displeased at this? Do you, do you think? Do you think it was? You think he was? Now, this isn't even my message today. This is just laying a foundation for where we're going. Because if you flip the page over to 1 Kings chapter 13, the Lord responded as he always does. Are you with me? Verse 1 By the word of the Lord, a man of God, just some nameless man of God. The scripture doesn't even record his name. A man of God came from Judah to Bethel. As Jeroboam was standing by the altar, his altars, he's going first. He's making a public spectacle. All the news outlets were there. He's going to offer his sacrifice to the calf so everybody can see him go first and do it, right? And just as he's standing by the altar to make an offering, by the word of the Lord, he cried against the altar. So this, this man of God comes up, and he doesn't talk to Jeroboam. He doesn't talk to anybody in the crowd. He walks straight up to the altar and points his finger at the altar that they had built. And he cries out, altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named uh, Josiah will be born out of the house of David. He, he starts to prophesy. He starts to talk about something that's going to happen in the future. And on you, talking to the altar, right? He's, he's not talking to anybody else. He's talking to the altar that they had built. And on you, he says. I lost my place. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. Like he's... Got the attention of everyone. The same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. And again, the man of God was doing this in front of all the news cameras, okay? Like all the people, all the scribes. They're like, anybody going to stop this guy? Right? They're, they're writing it all down. When King Jer Jeroboam heard, because remember, he's there. 
smiling, making his sacrifice for everybody, right? He sees this guy show up and start to rebuke the altar that he created, right? When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. Again, anytime someone stands up for what's right and the leadership is not happy about that, they will silence you. They will try to stop you. They will try to cancel you. Seize him, right? But watch this. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, uh, by the word of the Lord. This is, this is what I've learned, friends. Any time in history when, when we just don't stand up for God and culture begins to make a mockery of him, he will allow it for a little bit, giving us a chance to kind of turn around. But if we don't, things happen. It's happened all the way throughout humanity. Then the king said to the man of God, oh no, like his hands all shriveled up and he can't even pull it back. He's frozen here, right? Intercede to the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. God always intervenes when we turn back to him. He always comes through. Verse 7. You guys okay? The king said to the man of God, Whoa, why don't you come home with me for a meal? I'll give you something. Appealing to the humanity side in all of us. Like, I'll give you a gift. How many of you guys know somebody that has been promoted right out of the will of God? What do you mean by that statement? They've been promoted right out of the will of God. Sometimes, you know, they'll get saved and start living their life for Jesus. And man, all this stuff begins to happen in their life. It seems like everything they touch turns to gold, right? God is moving. He's revealing them. Their marriage is better because they came to the relationship series and realized it's not you, it's me, right? And so, like, they realized all of this stuff, Their kids are getting saved. They're showing up to youth ministry. And then all of a sudden, they get a promotion. And that promotion makes it so they don't have to, or they can't, worship worship on Sundays. They got to work. Or maybe there's a little bit of travel involved. Or maybe there's a new office we're opening up and we want you to lead it. And you're like, well... Pastor Darren, these all sound like great things. Exactly. But what we have found out to be is even though God does bless his people, a lot of the blessings that people receive aren't from the Lord. They're there for one reason and one reason only. Like we talked about last week, they're coming for the word's sake. Did you know that there was a statistic that showed that 85% of the people who move to take a job and leave a good home church 
never find another church. 85% of the people who leave a great church, move to a community because that's where their job takes them, never get reconnected to a great church, never get reconnected to church. 85% of them stop worshiping the Lord. Now, again, I'm not saying that's us. You guys are here. Amen. But I just want you to understand, watch out for being promoted out of the will of God. Because if the devil can't take you out, he'll tempt you in another way. Oh, I can't squash him. Man, they're part of a small group that, man, they're prayer warriors over there. Man, I can't, they're showing up at prayer. God's speaking to them. I'll dangle this over here and see if they'll, if they'll move. Well, I can tell this is going over great. Moving right along. <laughs> Amen. So the king tells him, hey, man of God, come home with me uh, for a meal and I'll give you a gift. Look at verse 8. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you nor will I eat bread or drink water here. Verse 9, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord. You, man of God, must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. He's like, listen, thanks for the offer, but no thanks. The Lord told me not to even, I don't care if you do have a Chick-fil-A in this town. I ain't eating it, right? Like, I'm going... Krispy Kreme, uh-uh, leaving, right? And I can't even go back the way I came. I got to take the other way. I, I, gotta, I can't go 44 around. I got to take old 412, right? It's like I got to go home a different way. And he, was, he, he knew this. But, but settle in for me because I, I just want to read you the rest of the story. Can you guys handle some heavy reading for a second? Verse 11, now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel. Okay, so the, the, the young guy, no way, I'm going home this way, and he leaves. So verse 11 says there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. Dad, you're never going to believe this, right? They also told their father what he had said to the king like the whole altar thing, and like it blew apart, and the king's hand shriveled up. It was so cool. But then he's praying, and it came. It was awesome, Dad. You should have been there, right? Their father asked them, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road, old 412, the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree, and he asked, Are you the man of God who came to Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I've been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. Look at verse 18. The old prophet answered, Hey, bro, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me, By the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But look what the scripture says. But he was lying to him. 
So the man of God returned with him, and he ate, and he drank in his house. And while they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came on the old prophet who had brought him back, and he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah, this is what the Lord says, you have defiled the word of the Lord. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, the Lord your God gave you. You... You came back and you ate bread and you drank water in this place where you were told not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in, a, in the tomb of your ancestors. Like this whole scene makes me go, what? Right? Because the man of God lied to him to get him to come back. But then the Lord uses him and he begins to speak to this, to this younger man. The man of God had finished eating and drinking. The prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. And as he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. His body was left lying on the road with both the donkey that he was riding on and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed saw the body lying there and the lion standing beside the body and they went and they reported it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, it is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him. And the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord warned him. I just want to say, punk, it was your fault. <laughs> the prophet said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they did so. And he went out and he found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. And the lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb and they mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines and the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. Even after this, the Bible says, Jeroboam, the king, did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, there is truth to be found in every single word from Scripture. And Lord, we know that Old Testament, there's truths. New Testament, there's truths. And Father, we want to be led today. How does this story still apply to our lives today? And so I thank you for making this real to all of us in the room and those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, yesterday, Tyra and I had the uh, privilege of going back to Topeka to celebrate with these guys. So you guys may not know it, but Emma's actually from the Topeka area, and she actually, her and her family, worshiped at the church we were on staff at. And so just, just a... a coincidence, if you will, right? That's just, and then Tyson, you'll, you'll have to talk to them about how they met. Super great story. But anyway, uh, so we went back um, to Topeka, where we were on staff for eight years, and it's the first time we've been back 
I mean, it's the first time Tyra's been back in 15 years. Like, hasn't even been there because we've been doing the Your Place Church thing, right? Now, we've kept up with some of the people there, but we just haven't been back to Topeka. We went one time to buy a boat, bought the boat, paid cash, left. Um, so we didn't really get to see it. So we're driving into Topeka yesterday, and, like, it's all coming back. Like, oh, yeah, I know right where to turn. Shut the GPS off. I got it from here. Right? And so I, I know right where to turn. I know how to get there. And we've, we pulled into the campus that we served so faithfully at for all those years. And, I mean, there's the youth facility that we, that we helped build. Like, we, the, their, their wedding reception was in the building that I spent most of my ministry career while I was there in, right? So that's where the, re- the reception was. And as I walked in this building, I saw my fingerprints everywhere. I put that staircase up. I laid that floor, right? And all of these flashbacks start coming. And then um, our pastor's, uh, our pastor's wife, he, our pastor had gone, has gone to be with Jesus now. And, you know, last 15 years, she's remarried, and her and her new husband come in, and it was just like a reunion, and it was great to talk with them. And so many people that we did life with and, and was able to do ministry with were there, and we, we were able to catch up with people. And it was just a really great time for us. And I can remember hearing the voice of the Lord telling me that I was to leave this place. I was never going to leave there. They were going to bury me out back under the old oak tree next to the pastor and his wife. No intentions on ever planting a church. But I remember hearing the voice of God tell me, you're going to pastor, you're going to plant a church. And if you've come to our Compass event, you know how your place church came, came in to, to be. And then if you were here last week, you know kind of some of the walls that we encountered in launching this church. And can I tell you that during seasons when those walls were facing us, and there's been walls throughout our whole journey that we've had to pray and watch God bring us through, there have been not one, multiple times that pastors in bigger cities, in tropical climates, have offered me insane amounts of money to come work for them because they've seen the success of the mission and vision of Your Place Church. And they're like, no, come work for us. And they have waved $1,000 bills in front of me and said, come, be a part, live on the ocean, never have to have another cold day in your life and waved insane amounts of money in front of me. But when you know that you know that you know that you know that you're right smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life, there is no amount of money who can pull you out of that. Are you with me, friends? So be careful. Be careful about being promoted out of the will of God. Be careful about being promoted. Be careful about convenience. Because convenience, if the, if the devil can't get you off his, off his case, then convenience comes in. It's been said that most people are in constant pursuit of a life of ease or entertainment. In other words, most people are working for a day where they don't have to work. Right? Most people, that's their pursuit in life. Why? I heard this recently, uh, Viktor Frankl, which was a Holocaust survivor, actually helped a lot of people survive uh, during that season. He, he made this statement, 
What a man actually needs is not a tensionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for some goal worthy of him. What he needs is not the discharge of tension at any cost, but the call of a potential meaning in waiting to be fulfilled by him. Human nature wants to take it easy, wants to sit back and kind of relax, right? We got Walmart pickup, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Amazon Prime. Heck, you don't even have to leave your house anymore. You can work remote. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's all this. We, we, haven't even, we went to our first movie in a theater two weeks ago. It's the first movie we've been to in a theater since 2020 or since 2019, really. We went and saw Sound of Freedom. Go see it. Yeah. Go see it. Don't listen to the news outlets. Go see it. It will open your eyes. I don't even know why the news outlets are mad at it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's the first time we've been there. Why? Because you can rent most new releases at home now. And so there is this nature, this side of us that just wants to, like, take it easy. We want it fast, and we want it now, right? This is, this is verse 28. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves, and he said to the people, Guys, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Here's your gods. Let me make it easier for you. Let me make it convenient for you. And I think what 2020 did is it forced us to try to figure out how to have church when we don't have to be in person. And I actually feel like our teams did a great job at meeting that season. I mean, our technology came up. We've, we've had great, incredible experiences. But as I look over the church that we have today and the church that we had before, there is a bunch of people missing because we got used to the convenience of I don't have to leave my house. Amen. If I don't want to. And we have to be careful about that because that will creep into every single area of our lives. Me and uh, Brother Cliff was talking about um, the online experience a little bit last week. And he was like, brother, let me tell you what I use online for. You say some things sometimes on the weekend and I'm still reeling over what God said. Like I miss your next three points and I got to go back and rewatch it. Right. Perfect. Perfect. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Guys, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled uh, to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Something happens when you're in the presence of God. And I know what people are, you're already saying, I can worship God at home. You can. You can, do you? Do you? And listen, I've been guilty of this. I sat in the whole month of June and watched online, loved the fact that we had the technology, worship team killed it, young guns were awesome, but I did not have the experience you had. I just didn't, because there's something about being here with you guys in his presence. It's cleansing. It is cleansing to my soul. Amen. Amen. Plus, when I'm at home, I'm tempted to jump on Marketplace real quick. That's a good point. And we're distracted. You know, Tyra brought me, you know, toast with peanut butter and jelly on it, and I'm eating. 
Well, that's a good point. Oh, man, they're doing a great job. And I'm distracted. I'm not there like you guys are here. We have to be careful about this. Let us, not, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys, I saw it firsthand. That resource center is changing lives. Amen. Last weekend, I was walking through here. Amen. You can clap at that. Amen. Why? Because they're giving themselves, in Viktor Frankl's word, the... the a call of a potential meeting waiting to be filled by him. Waiting to be fulfilled by him. Man, they, I don't know how many people we ended up taking to rehab last week. I have no idea how many people we got in recovery homes last week. I have no idea how many people were ministered to and helped last week. I have no idea how many people were here on Monday night during Recovery 360. They're making it happen. I, I can tell you, the, uh, the missions team came home from all of their missions trips last week, and every single one of them are amazed at what God did over there. Not just what they saw, but what God did inside of them. Amen. Amen. Why? They're, they're living themselves to this potential meaning waiting to be fulfilled by them. The Ark Serve Day. Every one of you guys that served at Ark Serve Day, you're living yourself for something bigger than you. Everybody, everybody that gives to the mission and vision of your place church, everybody that serves in any capacity, it's not just punching a clock. You've given yourself to something bigger than you, and it's a life worth living. Amen, everyone? Praise God. Amen. The second thing I get from this scripture, and i got to hurry up. Can I encourage you not to lie and tell everybody it was God? Seems like a no-brainer. But the old prophet answered, I, I, I am a prophet as you are. And the angel said to me, by the word of the Lord, bring him back to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water with you. But he was lying to him. And people are like, well, I would, I would never do that. Let me push on a phrase. I don't know. I'm in rare form today. <laughs> Let me push on a phrase. Has anybody heard the, the God card? You know what the God card is? It's like the ace in the deck. If you've got the ace, it wins. You guys are, you know, drawing turns, but whoever's got the highest card, whoever has the ace wins. A lot of people like to play the God card. And the only reason why they play it is because, you know, I can't come against the God card. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me, God told me that I'm supposed to step down from this department. God told me that I'm supposed to leave my spouse. God told me that I'm supposed to try a different church. God told me. And the reason why they're playing that card is because I can't challenge God. I can't challenge that. But here's the problem. God did not tell you that. And we have to be careful about playing the God card every time. I've had so many people say, well, God told me to take this job. Oh, great, awesome. Two months later, well, God told me to quit that job and take another job. Six weeks after that, that job, that was not God's will. But God told you to take that job. Well, he did, but then he told me to quit. No, he didn't. That was not the word of the Lord. Are you with me? Pastor can preach right here, all right? 
Be careful about that. When you blame God for every decision that you make, you desensitize yourself from actually hearing the voice of God. Be careful about that. Pastor, you're like the theme of 2023. Hear, believe, and obey. Right. Here. Here. It's so important to actually hear the voice of God. God is not a bipolar God. He is not going to say something that changes mind. In fact, go look, go read scripture. God, like faithfulness, God measures faithfulness in years. We measure faithfulness in moments. I was there last, I was there last weekend. I went to Ark Serve Day. I served at this whatever thing. We measure faithfulness in moments. God measures it in years. Took Joseph 13 years, the time, the time he had the voice, uh, had the dream, and he found the throne. Took Moses 25 years, the time, the time that God said, let my people go, and he let them go. It took Abram 25 years the time, from the time that God says, you will be the father of many nations, and him having Isaac. Faithfulness. Amen, everyone? Amen. Is this almost over? Not yet. Praise God. Mm, mm. So the man of God returned and ate with him, right? Again, happens all the church. Um, mm, skip, skip, skip. All right, here's the story. And this is, this is how it got personal with me. Um, because it's, it's, you know, this guy was a prophet. Like, he was a man of God. Like, who was he to question him, right? Um, when we were on staff back at that church in Topeka, we had these strength team guys that come in and break bricks and bust things and bend stuff and blow up stuff like the big muscular guys, right? We, we had them come in, and they always had a guy that traveled with them, which was their road manager, and they let him preach. And so uh, one night, I'll never forget, it was a Sunday night. Uh, no, it was a Friday night. It was at the end of the meeting. They had him preach to our service, and they, they invited all of the church staff to come up. And he went down, and he started praying for all of us, which is a super cool experience. And I, I'll never forget, he got to Tyranite, he put his hands on us, and he started praying. And he was like, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt surely have an amazing ministry in Africa. And I, I left there going, Africa? <laughs> like, that was no, God bless the rains down in Africa, right? No, that was never on my radar. That was like that did not minister to my soul at all. But yet this was a man of God and God was using him in this. And he said some things for, on some other people that was true. Can I tell you how to how to respond when someone has a word for you? If it if it if it bears witness in your heart. In other words, if the Lord's already been dealing with you about it, it was God. If he hasn't been dealing with you about it, put it on the shelf and wait until he starts to deal with you about it. You're going to have a great... I could not imagine us launching Your Place Church in Zimbabwe. <laughs> now, thank God for the people who went to Africa, and they're back, and they'll tell you, man, we had a great time. Like, saw God move. is incredible. But that's not what God told me to do. And I had, a, I, had a, I had to do something in that moment. Am I going to listen to this? Book a ticket to Africa? Or am I going to have to follow what God put in my heart? There's another story. You guys okay? Yeah. There's another story. Tyra and I, I'm barely saved. I'm 17, pushing 18. We go, and her parents were involved in an outreach in Tulsa. 
um, where uh, guys who owned a barbecue restaurant would put this barbecue meal on, and we'd go out and we'd invite homeless people and people who were just like it was. We'd go to a lot of the different project. Uh, communities in North Tulsa, and we'd invite them to this thing, and then, of course, we'd feed them great barbecue, and, um, and then we'd, we'd minister to them at the, end of every, at the end of every day, and people gave their lives to Jesus. It was an incredible outreach, but there was a guy who was a part of the team at the outreach who was kind of the self-proclaimed apostle of the group, and he came up, and there was one time we were praying before an outreach, and he came over to me, and he starts praying for me, and he puts his hand on my head right here, right? Right here. And he starts praying over me. And then ever so slightly, he begins to give me a little while he's praying for me. Right? And so I'm new to this. I'm new to this whole Jesus thing. I'm new to the church thing. I have been in services where the power of God hit. And I mean, people bounced twice when they hit the floor. Like the power of God was just so thick in the room. I've been in services like that. But this guy was here, and he was praying over me, and he wanted to be someone special. And as he was praying for me, he gave me a little, trying to make me fall over. And I went, (laughs) amen? When it's the power of God, there ain't nothing you can do. I've heard of stories, the power of God hitting people so much, they'd, they'd be praying and, and have their eyes closed, and the speaker would walk right off the side of the stage, turn around and walk right back on it. I've seen some crazy things. Where are you going with this? Oof, I have no idea. But the point of it is, be careful about lying and saying it's God. Are you with me? Okay, wrap this up, preacher. All right. Verse 7. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me for a meal, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, Even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat or drink water here. For I was commanded by the Lord of the, by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and he did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Friends, my hope and God's call for your life is that you would get to the place where you know that you know that you know you have heard God's voice. And we've got to get to this place where we're there. And God wants to speak to you. Which is why 21 days of prayer coming up in August is going to be so great for you. It's going to be so great for you. Because when you're constantly, every single day, you're getting up at 530 Katie mentioned it in the youth ministry last Wednesday, and the teenagers were like, Woo! Gonna be there! Teenagers are gonna get up at 5.30 and be here at 6 a.m. to be in the presence of the Lord. If teenagers are excited about it, we can get excited about it. Amen, everyone? We can get excited about it. Why? Because it's in an environment like that that you hear the voice of God, and you're like, Oh, Like, it's not audible. There have been times that it's been audible. We had a crazy encounter 
July of 2020 that was audible. But there's been other times, and most of the times, he speaks to us through his word and that still, small voice. But it's just as much God. It's just as, it's just as comforting. It's just as encouraging. And it is just as definite. That still small voice or how God speaks to you. What I'm talking about this Wednesday came straight from the word of God. He ministered to my soul, ministered to my heart. If you, if you, if you don't read the word, you'll never have a know that you know that you know that you know experience with the power of God. Because his voice sounds like his word. If you, if you don't ever prioritize being in his presence, being in a room where, where that is happening, you'll never, you'll never do it. You'll never hear it. And I think all of us genuinely want to hear the voice of God. We do. But I think we just kind of give our, make excuses why this is not the right time. I can't go. I'm not going to be a part of it. My work, my thing. And listen, all those things are great. They're real. Like, I understand you have work schedules. I understand the kids have to go to school. But if you want to hear the voice of God, where you know that you know that you know that you know it was him, be here for prayer August 6th for 21 days. And you will find yourself in an environment where God will speak to you. And listen, when you hear his voice and you get in the habit of hearing his voice, you'll, you'll get going to the point where you don't even question whether it's you or God anymore. You'll be like, oh, okay, Lord, thank you for that. And you'll just keep on moving. Amen. The young prophet this guy's a prophet. He must know. The old prophet was lying to him. When you know that you know that you know what God told you, nobody can sway you from it. Nobody can sway you from it because you have a confidence. That was us, 2007, when God said, I want you to give all of this up and I want you to go launch your place church. Throughout the years, there's been seasons, there's been walls, there's been heartache, but there's been miracles and lives that have been changed and salvations and so many stories and offers and all of this stuff. But when you know that you know that you know God's told you to do something, you won't come off of it. Amen? Will you bow your heads with me for a second? Some of you are in the room today and you desperately want to hear God's voice, but you don't have a relationship with Him. You've never invited Jesus to come live inside your heart. I can tell you with absolute confidence, you'll never get familiar with the voice of God unless you have a relationship with Him. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want to call you up. don't want you to make you leave the room. But if, if you've never invited Jesus Christ in your life, or maybe you once had a relationship with him, but I don't know, time, life, proximity, something changed and you feel yourself distant and you want to rededicate your life to him. I just want to pray with you today. Just want to pray with you. I believe that what can happen right now can happen bet between you and God. But I would like to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Anybody like that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else like that? 
Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Come on, don't miss this moment. This is, we're not embarrassing anybody here. This is between you and God. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I can pray with you real quickly. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. This is your moment. This is the day that changed everything for me. It'll be the day that changes everything for you. Before we leave, anybody else I can pray for? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Amen. God's moving in this room. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, and that's what's happening, you're believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then the Bible says in confessing with your mouth, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell, number one, but saved to an incredible life and putting yourself in a position where you can hear God speak to you directly because now he lives on the inside of you. So I want everybody to say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me of my past to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus... I invite you to come into my life to wash away my sin to make me everything you created me to be and right now I'm choosing to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen